As we look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 8 to 11, what I want us to see is how great practical theological realities are taught in the midst of what can seem like an ordinary conversation. And particularly in this conversation, the great reality that we must deal with the sin in our lives. Otherwise, we prove to be Judas-like and not part of Jesus. And yet, we know that we stand perfect, clean, and accepted before God. So, Father, as we take up now this paradox of the Christian life of being just and clean and accepted and loved before you because of Jesus, and yet have the necessity of ongoing cleansing and the fight against sin in our lives, teach us. Teach us to enjoy the mystery of life in Jesus, accepted and fighting sin. I pray this in his name. Amen. The situation is that Jesus is washing the disciples' feet that night before he was killed, and he comes to Peter, and here's what happens. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Peter, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. That's a plural you there. Can't see it in English, but you can in the original. You are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him That's Judas. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Okay. There are two mistakes that Peter makes here. And two corrective responses from Jesus that are vastly important for Christian living. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Mistake number one. What? True followers of Jesus don't need to have Jesus wash our feet. What's Jesus' response to that? Jesus answered him, If I don't wash you, you have no share in me. Answer, No way, Peter. I must wash your feet. 
Otherwise, you are not a Christian. You don't have any part in me. You are like Judas. That's mistake number one, response. Here's mistake number two. Peter said to him, Whoa, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So mistake number two, followers of Jesus need to be cleansed again, head to toe. Response, Jesus said to him, no, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. So answer, no, Peter, you're wrong again. No. Why not? Why don't followers of Jesus need to be cleansed again head to toe? Answer, because you are completely clean. Completely clean. But what does that mean? Completely clean. You, you just said, my feet are dirty. You are clean, but not every one of you. He explains what it means. For he knew who was to betray him, Judas. So Judas is not completely clean, but true disciples are completely clean. And therefore, they don't need to be washed head to toe. They only need their feet to be washed. All right. Let's, let's now sum up what we've seen. I see four truths here. Number one, true disciples. True disciples are completely clean. In other words, before God, they're clean, they're pure, they're accepted. Paul's word for that is justified. Truth number two, there is sin in a true disciple's life that does not contradict being completely clean. Strange, I know, but that's what it says. Three. That sin 
this one right here, must be dealt with. Jesus must deal with it, remove it. Four. Otherwise, we show we are not even part of Jesus. We are like Judas. I'll leave that there. We are like Judas. Now, where do we see this teaching elsewhere in the Bible? You are, as a Christian, completely clean. And yet, there is sin in your life that does not contradict that reality. That sin must be dealt with. Otherwise, you're not a Christian. Which means those who are real Christians are going to deal with that and prove that they are totally clean. All right, here's, here's Romans, I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where Paul says, cleanse out the old leaven, using a different metaphor, but you'll see the parallel. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. So in John's language from that text we just looked at, you really are completely clean. Now clean yourself up. Become in practice what you are in Christ. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed, which is why we are unleavened. And then here's Paul doing it again in chapter 8, showing how essential that cleanup is. Chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. All right? We are justified, cleansed, acceptable, counted righteous. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit into that kind of warfare with sin are, prove themselves to be the sons of God. So what do we conclude then from this total teaching of Jesus on the night before he was crucified. Conclusion one. Fight sin in your life as justified sinless sinners. You are justified. God sees you as sinless. So fight the sin in your life. Or to say it another way. Seek. To deal. 
with all uncleanness in your life because you are clean. Completely clean. That's the Christian life.